Welcome, everyone, to the Unfiltered Podcast. Lee Stevenson here, Vice President of Church Planning with Converge, local church planter in Orlando, Florida. I'm Danny Parmley. I oversee church planting for Converge Mid-America, and today I'm not in Orlando. I am in the Nashville studio. We'll call it that, Nashville studio. The, the Nashville not my basement. Well, well, that's yeah, like all of basement. Nashville, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love technology. It allows us to, to record in different places and uh, um, at least be able to see each other. So, hey, we're just around the corner, Danny, from a pretty major moment in any church, let alone um, a momentous moment for church planters, and that's Easter. Um yep. You know, we've talked about in the past encouraging church planters specifically, like don't launch on Easter. If you're going to launch in that spring season, launch a few weeks prior to Easter, because if you play it right, you can kind of get a double bump of momentum. Um, But for those churches that are already maybe they're year one, year two, maybe even year five going into Easter this season, now's the time to be kind of fine tuning those last details. What are a few things that, you know, let's say two weeks before Easter that a church planter needs to be thinking about and even preparing their church for um, in order to make the most out of the Easter season? Yeah, um, I'll I'll start with actually preparing themselves. So a little uh, uniqueness of our story is we, you know, we, we launched January um, of 2005 and our first Easter, I mean, I was ready to just blow it out of the water. Cause that's when everyone has, you know, super high oh, yeah. attendance. And, uh, we, we had 35 people at our Easter service. And so and where was uh, your attendance one... prior to that? So was yeah, it 30? I mean, we launched, yeah, no, we launched at 125. And so it was like a, a slide downwards. And, and here's, here's why I say that is, um, context is very important in the sense of because we were, a younger church, everybody went home. Um, so depending on the age of your congregation and because we were downtown, it just, it didn't have the same feel as a, you know, uh, traditional suburban church where you also can get a bump in attendance. We had the reverse and the same thing that we learned for Christmas Eve. So I, I, my first advice for all guys is just to um, you know, have realistic expectations for some, there will be a significant bump, but for others, it actually may decline depending on your people. The problem was, is because I wasn't ready for that. It was kind of a shock to my system and maybe even a little bit of anger at the team. Like, why are you abandoning where it's like, you need to understand that tradition will always trump mission. In other words, like if people have been going home to their parents and having Easter with them or with grandma and grandpa, that type of thing. So just to kind of mentally prepare for that, at the same time, you do have opportunity to reach people who don't currently have a church home. So I, I think that that's, you know, obviously I, I don't want to poo-poo uh, saying Easter just because of our own experience, but there's going to be a few out there that are listening where they might not have that same bump that that everybody else will uh, type of thing. So I uh, the other thing, uh, just as a general, and then you know I want to hear from from you and just your experience uh, with with stuff is that uh, sometimes we get so focused on Easter that we forget about the follow up. So before even as you're planning your Easter services, think of the week after. And the week after that, in other words, when all of a sudden you have these new people come because 
you know, hey, it's Easter, I need to go to church. And maybe they just moved to the area and you happen to be the one that sent out the flyer and they're checking it out or whatever. What will you invite them to next? Don't just let this become a thing where you're now this person's Easter service, but hey, Easter was great, but I want to invite you to brand new series, you know, new event, next steps or that, that type of thing. So Love it. Well, unlike Danny, our church grew every single Easter. <laughs> You're awesome. We're not. I get it. But um, I, I I agree with the follow-up. I think sometimes that easily gets overlooked. And I think an easy way to help train your team and train your own thinking towards the follow-up and, and how do we maximize momentum is don't start a series on Easter. You know, start the series the week after Easter. Mm-hmm. You just need to preach the resurrection and yep. what the resurrection means for us, and give people an opportunity to um, to to make some type of new commitment. But then have the follow up. So maybe it's a, hey, we're going to go into a relational series. Think felt needs of your community, um, because all of a sudden you have an attentive audience. And so, how do we connect wh- who we are as a church? that actually is relevant to the felt needs of all those people that walked in maybe for the very first time this, this Easter um, start the series, the following week. Um, and this is where, if you have the opportunity, like bring in key personalities. If you have somebody in your community that, you know, people would like, Oh, I, I'll come back to hear them. Um, mm-hmm. I would even spend a little bit of money to um, continue that momentous kind of movement coming out of Easter. Um, yeah. But again, the, the relational poll follow up um, from an individual standpoint is good. If you can slow people down on Easter Sunday as well. So if it's photo booth opportunity, maybe a mm. special food thing, um, anytime that you can slow it down, it will just build the energy and help people feel like, oh, there's something going on here. I want to be a part mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. Uh, it, I would say even pre Easter pastor, like you've got to get your mindset to thinking about the fact that there are a lot of people that may have some little bit of church background or mm-hmm. de church people that are coming because a family member invited them or they have no other option. They got to come with mom. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, how am I going to connect with them and making yeah. sure that the service actually is done in a way that makes sense and it connects to where they're at. Um, and I, I find like, I spend more time trying to figure out a few key jokes on Easter and how to get people laughing before I bring in the punchline, because it does bring the, it brings the walls down and makes them, you know, and so I'll, I'll spend even a couple of weeks working on that. Yeah, it, it does take you some extra work to uh, come up with any funny material. So it, it does. Know it does. <laughs> um, okay. So you, you said one thing that I do not want to pass over because uh, we might take it for granted, but I've been in situations where it has been taken for granted. If you don't preach the resurrection, on Easter Sunday, I am disappointed. I don't want to shame and guilt people, but I'm going to shame and guilt people, right? If you don't preach the resurrection, you have a major, major problem. And we can get so focused on egg drops and, you know, bring in, you know, doing fun and cool stuff to try, try to draw a crowd. But it, that, that if you don't, pre- you have to preach the resurrection. So you said that, I just want to reemphasize that. Now this is unfiltered. So I'm going to throw something out there, Lee, that yep. I don't even know if you and I have discussed that much, but yay or nay on live baptisms or baptisms in general on Easter Sunday? Go. My my personal preference is no. Um, I like sharing testimony. 
So we'll, we'll uh, even for this Easter in our church plant, like we're going to have three recorded testimonies of three different individuals in our church in the last three months have had a major moment where mm-hmm. the Lord has challenged them or they made a decision to follow Christ. And yeah. we work that into the worship set. Um, okay. And it's, and we're very, very careful to make sure it's not about, oh man, our church is so great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, man, this is what God has done in my life. Yep. And and so we're really really focused on making sure the glory is is God directed, not church directed. And I think that's an important distinguishing mark to to make sense. I like doing baptisms following Easter, um, okay, and uh, keeping it separated so that way the message just stays clear. But we always mm-hmm. do a gospel presentation and ask for a response mm-hmm. on on Easter. On Easter, great. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat, uh, and and would say exactly the same thing. Not not doing the actual baptisms on Easter Sunday, but if you can incorporate even just one testimony, uh, powerful. And if you can do video because it's just controlled, and you don't want exactly. someone up there that all you know exactly how much time <laughs> uh, type of thing that way is just really powerful. Because it, I mean, it is. Uh, and, and I get it. And we've done, you know, baptisms within service and, and there's, there's, there's power to that, but with the audience that's there to just make the whole service baptisms can be uh, sometimes just confusing or weird or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of my vote. I'm not saying an absolute not, I think, you know, sometimes there's a, you know, a time and a place for it, but my preferences, and especially with a young, with a young church plant, um, not, not doing baptism, uh, services on, on Easter. Just Sunday. simplify the so, service. Um, yep. even, even from the standpoint of the sermon, I would look at shortening yep. the, the normal sermon. Yep. Um, you know, so like I typically will only preach 25 minutes on mm-hmm. Easter and yeah. part of it is recognizing people's attention span isn't what yeah. it used to be. But at the yeah. same time, I want people to go, man, I, I can, I can sit through that. Like I'd like to come mm-hmm. back and, yeah. And uh, help them realize, like, and specifically in our context, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of traditional models of church and ethnic models of church that people have experienced. Mm-hmm. And so um, the fact that they can come to church and it's not two or three hours long just blows mm-hmm. their mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can give them a good experience. The The other thing I would want to encourage pastors to think through is how are you preparing your people to invest mm. and invite, um, that it's not all about like, if you're going to do a direct mail, this is a time of the year. It's not a bad thing because especially in a church plant world, like a lot of people, you just got to get the word out that you even exist and that this is an mm-hmm. option for Easter. So mm-hmm. leverage social media, leverage Google ads. Even if you're going to spend a little extra to do a direct mail, this is the time of year you want to do that. But the, the biggest win is training your people to think outside of the box. Like who are you inviting? Um, And make it almost like you're an anomaly in our church. If you don't invite somebody. Right. Yep. Yep. And and there are creative ways to do that. I mean, you could, the way that the sermon series you do leading up to Easter, but we Mm -hmm. started prepping four weeks pre Easter. Hey, Easter's around the corner. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to thank Mm -hmm. And then two weeks before Easter, we're actually, I'll be preaching on the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. And we're going to create a moment in the service where we have a big map on the stage. And we're going to have people come up and kind of pin on the map where they live 
if they're willing to reach their neighborhood for Jesus. And uh, it just creates some, this monumental image in their mind of you know, we're for our city or we're for our region and we're going to do everything we can to reach these people for Jesus. That's great. Okay. One other thing you said, but you just passed over it really quickly, gospel invitation. So preach the resurrection, but now that you've teed it up, um, has to be a clear invitation. Even if you're uncomfortable with doing it, you figure out how to say, all right, it's, it's decision time. If you'd like to make a decision, whether that's raise your hand, whether that's fill out a card, whether it's come up front, this is your time to actually make a, you know, a very, very clear presentation and invitation and opportunity for people to respond. Um, so uh, the one other question I'll throw out there, Lee, is um, what about communion on on Easter Sunday? Yay or nay? Nay. Um, that's a Good Friday moment. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to do a Good Friday experience or a Good Friday service, include communion in that. Um, Easter's focus is resurrection. Um, and uh, communion, it's got a different focus. It's, it, that's on the, the death of Christ and what happened because of the cross. Let's, let's keep Easter what Easter is meant to be. Mm-hmm. So All right. that's so my least, opinion. We, yes. Um, <laughs> now, according to Jesus, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, the, uh, what I will balance that on the other side is um, sometimes a communion is your greatest way to have gospel invitation. So uh, I'm not, I, I, I can't even remember if we automatically did it because we did uh, the second Sunday of each month. So maybe when it fell on it, we did uh, when it, um, you know, didn't fall on it. We, we didn't do it. Uh, but for those of you that are still kind of thinking through your service, um, the other part of it is depending on the type of kind of religious area where, so we were heavily Catholic and Lutheran background where, communion was part of every single week. So if they went to a church and there wasn't communion, it was just like so awkward. Yeah. So there can be a positive on that side. So again, you know, Lee and I, there's, there's not a exact way. Yes, you should or shouldn't do baptisms. Yes, you should or shouldn't do communion, but those are some of the different things that you want to think through of the positives and negatives and negatives can be that sometimes communion can get really long and difficult and, you know, whatever as well, too. So those are all the different things you got to think through the service. So. And, and I think I would caution church planners, like if you're going to do communion mm-hmm. um, on an Easter, you've got to give ample time mm-hmm. to actually yep. explain what the importance of communion is. Yep. You know, like you've got to think that through versus just throwing yes. it in in the midst of the service. Yes, 100%. Like that, and, and that goes to what you were saying as far as, reducing sermon time. So you're still going, okay, this is a person's first experience. We're in, we're adding testimonies. Okay. Communion. We don't want to just rush through it. Um, where you even place it in the service, all those types of, of things to kind of uh, think through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, when it comes to planning that Easter service, I mean, I would encourage churches, you need to start minimum of two months before, yeah. Um, if not three so too late before. on the, on hearing this yeah. on this podcast. Yes. But, but I mean, thinking through the details of the service, like, are, are we going to do a special creative moment or something of that sort? You really want to have those things locked and loaded way before you get to the week of Easter. So, well, good conversation. Good luck. We're praying for you. And, uh, we, Easter is one of those times a year that uh, it can be a momentous moment. And uh, we pray so such for each and every one of you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This has been the Unfiltered Podcast. Until next time, keep it real. 